G'day guys, welcome to the Noob Sparrow Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Shrek, and uh, today is an interesting interview about southern Queensland and spearfishing in this area. Uh, if you uh, don't live in this area, I don't know how, how relevant it's going to be for you. However, before we get into it, I've got some advice about what accessories you need to buy or what I think you need to buy if you're getting a GoPro Hero 7 Black. Uh, which is Turbo and I have just purchased two new cameras, so we want to write a series about sort of how to get in, how to get into using it, and it's going to go up on the spearfishing.com.au blog, uh, which is Adreno, one of our major show sponsors. So if you're interested in following along with that, I'll talk about it through the f- future episodes. But today I'm just going to talk about the accessories you need to buy apart from the actual GoPro Hero Black unit. Uh, if you want to get started filming some of your dives and stuff. So today, like I said, it's an interview with um, Trevor Ketchian, who's a veteran local spearer here in the southern Queensland area. Him and I discuss uh, early target species, uh, sort of the first five that you might start targeting in this area. Um, we go over the sort of the locations, the broad strokes, and we give a couple of spots. And we just sort of talk about, you know, the, the right weathering conditions and how to sort of just make your way getting started in this area. So um, it's good for that. And there's always there's some tips and stuff sprinkled through. So if you're not in the area, maybe there's a couple of uh, nuggets in there, but let us know. I'm getting lots of love on YouTube channel at the moment and I would encourage you if you enjoy this episode probably go up there and watch the video of um, Trevor and I um, doing it live in my garage actually at the time um, and as usual he's wearing a, a mask which is pretty funny so if you follow us on YouTube and subscribe on there that'd be great okay uh, so yeah so Turbo and I bought a couple of GoPro Hero Black 7s so I've, I've started I've written a post for spearfishing.com.au about what accessories you need to accompany your GoPro Hero Black 7 to get started uh, filming spearfishing. Now there's a there's a list here and some of them might be common sense and no-brainers for you. However, I'd just like to quickly go over some of them before we get into this interview with Trevor. So if it's obvious, just bear with me. Uh, but a lot of people will probably aren't aware of just what you actually need. So, um, so we bought this GoPro Hero Black 7. I think they were about $650 each. No, maybe slightly cheaper, six hundred and twenty dollars each, Australian dollars, um, and super stoked they arrived. Really, I still haven't even really got them out and started using them. However, I'm already going through a list of the other items that we need to make sure we've got. Now, a uh, number one is um, I've got on this list so far is an external hard drive. If you're using a solid state drive in your laptop or 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 um, PC, that's perfect. But you don't want to use that space. Um, with your video footage, you, you want to keep it on an external. And what I'm t- hearing from a few guys that have filmed a lot, and I'm sort of asking for advice from guys like um, Daniel Mann and and um, and Buddy Walsh, they're, they're, they're advising me, you know, be, be clear with the way you label your video files. And uh, Trevor Kitchen's also been a bit helpful, though uh, he belies be his uh, technical expertise with it but um, really be really clear with the way you label your files um, the way I think I'm going to do it is I'm going to have a trip folder for the specific filming session now I'm going to have three folders inside for each I'm going to have top shots which is like the you know your best footage and then I'm going to have b-roll so your supporting footage to help tell a story and then I'm going to have another folder called meh which is like you know um, you might use it but 
you know it's not it's not the best footage and then the rest of it's just going in the bin that's kind of my broad strokes plan but that'll all go on an external hard drive and uh, probably get a two terabyte or a five terabyte um, drive just so there's plenty of space there for footage and want to stay on top of um, sorting it fairly fast even though if it don't edit it up and make um, full film straight away the next thing you need is definitely a decent PC um, Turbo loves his Mac so I'm a Windows guy um, to be honest neither of us have done enough video editing yet to really have a feel for this um, if you're gonna film 4k uh, and edit in 4k like you, you're gonna need a super good rig with a you know with a really high quality video card so just keep that in mind because that's an extra expense guys don't think about it's um, great to film the stuff on the GoPro and you can edit lots of these films on apps and stuff now but you want if you want high quality you're gonna need a video editing suite and um, and a powerful PC. Um, next thing you need is a spare battery because you can only expect about 45 to 90 minutes juice out of your GoPro Hero Black 7. So if you're going to go aftermarket with batteries, I've read good reviews on Wasabi and Smartree, um, but the actual GoPro batteries are pretty good as well, I think. I don't think the third party ones outperform it, they're just sort of comparable and maybe a little bit cheaper. The other thing you need to get is a super suit. So a super suit um, keeps your GoPro safe and watertight to 60 meters. And uh, it also, um, it's great for avoiding drops and rocks and scratches that, you know, my clumsy sausage fingers cause. So um, definitely get a super suit. There's more benefits than just, um, you know, keeping it watertight to 60 meters, even out of water. You know, it helps protect your camera a bit more. Uh, SD cards. Now, we've used SD cards with audio stuff and Turbo's had a DSLR and we've we've still got a Sony A6000 so the, the SD cards we tend to like are the SanDisk Extreme V30 cards and uh, a lot of guys love the 64 gig size um, some people will say the 128 can cause issues uh, but we're probably going to go the 128 gig version for the with the SanDisk, SanDisk Extreme V30 cards and um, yeah, but other highly regarded sort of brands are the Lexar 1000XU3s, the Delkin 1900XV60s, and the Samsung Evo Select U3s. But I think we're just going to stick with SanDisk Extreme V30s because they've performed well for us in the past. And um, yeah, so oh, by the way, some of these products I'll, I'll link up in the show notes so it's an easy reference point for you. Um, I'll probably try and link up the um, articles in future. So there's going to be a series of GoPro 7 Black. Um, articles about just how to get started spearfishing with it and it'll just I'll just write down what I'm learning and researching as I go so that's pretty much what what this sort of list is the other thing I've got the last thing on this list at the moment is the head strap mount um, it's arguably the best first person mount for sparrows um, as long as you can get your head movement under control and uh, you know slow slow your movements down and actually get some good good footage I think the head strap um, seems the best um, unless you get third person footage which is even better like uh, but I'll talk about that in a sec but um, the, if you use a gun mount you know and you want to film your mate you're potentially pointing a loaded spear gun at your mate so it's not a it's not a great idea um, get the head strap and a good one that I've seen is the chin it's got a head strap with a chin strap off it um, that's made by Mako so if you go to their website you can have a look at the chin strap headband combo from Mako and um, it because Turbo uh, had an old second-hand GoPro on a head strap mount that I lent him and he lost it in 80 meters of water um, so that was fantastic but um, <laughs> uh, 
the, yeah, the other trick guys use is they put their head strap mount underneath their um, wetsuit hood and the mask, and that will, you know, obviously help prevent it from from dropping off. But you don't want to wear it over the top, that's for sure. Um, if you do look at further mounts, um, look at a tray mount. So it's a uh, basically two handles, or you can use a pole. You don't really need a gimbal underwater. It's because it, you, you know, with the uh, stabilization internal stabilization software in the GoPro itself and being underwater the, the footage is smooth enough on its own but um, look at a tray mount or you know some sort of extension pole for uh, for holding the GoPro to help you um, like if you're filming your mates or they're filming you um, these third person shots are fantastic but um, there's a whole skill in learning to film that's for sure and um, you know that's something that Turbo and I are going to be paying attention to and learning a lot as we go so um, but yeah that's pretty much my list for today so yeah check it out in today's show notes but um, without too much uh, mucking around I'll, let's hook into today's interview with Trevor Kitchen and talking about spearfishing in the southern Queensland now i don't know about you but i love new gear and spearfishing.com.au have got a huge range mad flat shipping rate especially in australia and if you use the code noob sparrow you not only support us but you get $20 off every purchase over $200 that's right pumping the code noob sparrow at checkout n-o-o-b-s-p-e-a-r-o at spearfishing.com.au and you will save 20 bucks on every purchase over $200. No-brainer. Thanks, Adreno. Today's episode is brought to you by Patreon. It's a membership platform that makes it easy for artists and creators like the Noob Spiro to get paid. Basically, you support us per episode at any level that you choose. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Noob Today's episode powered by patron listeners just like you. G'day guys, welcome to today's Noob Spirit podcast, uh, joined by the ever-classy Trevor Kitchen. This is a round three. Indeed, yes. Round three. So Trevor's um, got a couple of cool pages that I think you guys should um, check out, if, especially if you're in the southern Queensland spe- uh, spe- uh, area spearfishing. Um, Submerged Psychos has got some absolutely magic clips on there. I don't guarantee the sanity of the person who puts them up, but there's some entertaining things there depending on your preference of what you like to watch yeah uh trev and uh, every now and then does some uh like mini lectures with a sock puppet and just teaches people about spearfishing concepts it's pretty cool and the other thing is on facebook there's a group called rubbish spearos and um it's not spearos that are rubbish otherwise yeah. i'd be the only member um it's actually about guys getting together and cleaning up like different waterways and stuff and um they've had some mad success with that so far, How so many- far it's only been going for about a month um the idea mm. behind it is just to try and motivate spear fishermen uh to get out there and just pick up litter or anyone really um also trying to kind of create that same environment you get when you go out you go spear fishing you shoot a fish you come home you put the photo up on instagram or facebook or whatever it is and you get a whole bunch of likes and it gives you that warm fuzzy feeling that everyone loves you um, trying to create the same culture with going and picking up rubbish. So mm. you go out, you pick up rubbish, put a photo up, and people say, good mm. job, great work. And it kind of will then hopefully generate a new movement in spearfishing mm. where, yes, we're taking from the ocean, but we're also going to kind of help the ocean because we mm. can see what's under the surface. Other people can't. They just go along with their everyday going, oh, no, it's crystal clean and blue. It's wonderful. 
So there's a few um, of these events getting organised in our area, but if you're not in in our area, that's fine. Jump on Rubbish Spiros on Facebook. The link will be in the in the comments, and um, sign up because if you want to get involved in like some rubbish removal in your area, then uh, this this page will be good for helping you to coordinate that, and you can get advice about getting government grants and you know. Eventually, once I learn how to do it myself, but yes. <laughs> but there's another guy on there who can help teach us yeah. with that as well. Um, no, it, yeah, it's pretty good. And it's the easiest competition ever. You pick up rubbish, you put up a photo, and you can win a $50 Adreno voucher. Like yeah. It's, yeah, it's pretty good. And if you're, like, organizing, like, a lot of us frequent these same sort of areas of reef. And I was talking with Trevor about a specific area here that I want to do a cleanup on. And um, it's great if you can coordinate a whole bunch of people because you can make a real big difference oh, in yeah. a specific place in one day and make a, you know, a real good impact. And um, and it's something, something I think a lot of us could... Um, could, could get involved with oh I, it's very easy um and everything ends up in the water anyway so even if you're just walking down the street and you see some litter pick it up put it in the bin that counts it's good you've had a real mindset shift for this haven't you because like no, it seems like you no i'm not saying you weren't like that before but now you're just absolutely crazy uh just so it's what's the best way to explain it if you don't look you don't see so it's very easy in the modern world that we live in because it's physically everywhere and you just uh, you you just phase it out. You don't know it's there. You don't see it. You don't think about it. It doesn't exist. It's amazing what the human mind can do. And then when you start actually looking, and uh, Craig McNiven organized a cleanup day for the Tweed, and I went down and went, oh, yeah, we'll pick up a couple of things here and there, and it won't be that bad. And then you get in the water, and you're pulling out tonnage of rubbish from an area that's only 100 square meters. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it kind of clicks your mind again, and you start looking. And you'll notice it's everywhere. You go for a walk down the park, there's litter. You go to a national park, there's litter. You go to the beach, there's litter. You go for a swim almost anywhere, any creek, and there's just litter, there's rubbish, there's... Mm. And it, it, it starts to play in your mind. You drive down the M1 and it's just rubbish the whole way. And it, 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 once it becomes... Once you start looking and seeing, you start to notice just how bad it has become, mm. unfortunately. And like you kind of identified too, it's actually good training for you spearfishing. You're working on your fitness and your breath hold and you're cleaning up one of the areas hopefully that we you know, can preserve for the future and our children and shit. Oh, definitely. Well, when I started, I could swim 100 metres and I was rooted. Hmm. Now I can <laughs> tow a kayak for four kilometres with 300 kilograms wow. of rubbish on it. Wow. So, And that's only over a span of doing it for a month. Okay. No, it is very good training. All right, let's. Um, so today we're going to talk specifically about spearfishing in the southern Queensland area, how to get started in this area. And Trevor's been diving here for a long, long time, as have I. Um, not nearly as long as he has, but um, we're going to lay out sort of um, some good actionable information if you want to get started spearfishing in the southern Queensland spearfishing area. After that, we're going to hook into a little bit of a conversation about boats buying boats, some of the different options available, and uh, maybe a couple more questions about rubbish spiros as well. So let's hook in, Trev. Um, there's a really good Facebook page that you and I are admins on. Not anymore, I escaped. Ha, <laughs> you still are. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am. Yeah. Um, so it's called Southern Queensland Spearfishing. That'll be linked up in the vid. Um, so head along there if you are spearfishing in the Southern Queensland Spearfishing, uh, in the Southern Queensland area. There's um, 5,000 members I think on there and there are some really good helpful people on there and there's only a couple of dickheads we seem to police it much better these days it, it, any like any forum you're going to get some people that like to get their enjoyment from the detriment of others mm. but they're becoming less and less prevalent <laughs> 
this guy wrote a dickhead comment on the other day about some poor guy got his um, fin stolen and um, I wrote something in there like um, a guy reported your comment as, but I want to leave it here so people can see how much of a dickhead you are <laughs> and then about four or five other people got on the bandwagon and then I wondered why I wasn't getting any more notifications I went back on and the guy deleted his comment <laughs> he deleted his own comment he learned yeah. it can be tricky particularly in those situations because it's horrible for the person and he's learnt not to do that again which is what led to them getting stolen but it's still horrible that they got stolen so yeah, you don't yeah. kind of have to rub it in a person's face nah, when they've nah. made a mistake that's not going to help them learn from the mistake it's it's good to give them constructive criticism and help educate them instead of being like no no yeah that doesn't work is that your general sort of social media advice just um, to try and be more constructive criticism over dick swinging and saying how much better you are than somebody yeah, yeah, else cool. definitely, definitely yeah courtesy goes a long way doesn't oh, it 100% all right, um, okay, so southern Queensland, we've got, to the north of us, we've got the Sunshine Coast. You and me live in Brisbane, and we dive sort of the islands out here and sometimes the bay when it allows us to. And then below us, we've got the Gold Coast and the northern New South Wales area. Um, so, yeah, just, we're very lucky. Within a seven-hour drive in any direct north or south, we've got from Southern Barrier Reef right down to northern New South Wales colder climate. So we're very lucky we get access to a myriad of species. It's good. How many species do you think we've got here for a target lot. spearfishing? The record book probably has four or 500 different species, and that's of the ones that are kind of worth chasing. Um, there's probably another 100 species of ones that people don't shoot anymore, um, usually from self-imposed regulations. Like, it's not because we're not allowed to shoot it, but spearfishermen are kind of been like, ah, it's not worth shooting. Mm. Okay. All right, so guys starting in this sort of general area, um, what are sort of the four or five species that they might start off targeting? Yeah. Um, I think the most common ones, and this is going back to when I started as well, will be your ludric species, which everyone will rip on and tell you how horrible they are, and it's purely because they've eaten one that they haven't bled or gutted properly. So if you shoot a black drummer or a silver drummer, and you're starting out, gut it, bleed it very quickly, and the meat's not that bad. If you forget to do that, mm. the meat can be very, very bitter and not taste particularly well. So you've got your drummers and your your black ludricks and your, your grass weed-eating fish, mm. and you'll see them a lot in your creeks and headlands and in close. Um, then probably the next most prevalent starting out fish are your flatheads, because they're a nice, when you get the hang of swimming up current, chasing them instead of coming down current, they'll be sitting there stationary and you can kind of come up from behind them and get well, that count sounds a bit sexual, but you can kind of come from their blind spot and wait, no, still sexual. Uh, you can shoot them a bit easier. <laughs> okay, flathead and uh, good. Uh, then got, you go on. We've your, had Lutterick and Drummer. Yeah. Then you got your Brims and your Tarwine species, which are all they look similar when you're starting out. Um, the legal sizes are very are close to being the same, so you don't have to stress too much about the differentiate the, the differences. But you got your brims and your tarwines, which are usually a coastal fish, which you'll see in your areas where you're starting out in your shallower water. That can be bloody hard too, to, to shoot. Brim? Oh. oh, when you're first starting out, they're, they're a tricky. Like everything, it, it kind of accelerates with you as you move along. So when you start out, what you think is a spectacular fish mm. will slowly increase as you get more into it. Because I can remember years and years ago when I shot my first legal parrotfish and I was stoked because up until that point they were incredibly fight flighty difficult fish to hunt mm. and we'll put that in as say the fourth fish is your parrot fish species because mm. when you're starting out they're they're not easily attainable mm. 
But then as you've been going for a few more years, you mm. move on to other things. So it, it's kind of a, a sliding scale, if you would. And then, yeah, I'd say the fifth one when you're starting out, most people are looking for are the black spot tuskfish because they will move into shallower areas, particularly during their spawning seasons. And you can get a nice fish still in 10 meters of water, a decent big black spot. And I remember my first black spot over five kilos and it was a, I was stoked. It was just one of those fish I'd been working up to for years. So that'd be the, your main five when you're starting out that I can think of would be your drummers, your ludrics, that species of family, then your flatheads, then your brims and your tarwines, then your parrotfish species, then your black spots. And always mixed in and through them would be your pelagics but they're not something you can really target. They're something that will be there or won't be there. You, they're a bit more difficult that way. Okay, cool. And did you mention Maui? Uh, I didn't put them as a targeted fish um, because they cop a lot of flack, unfortunately. But you're depending on the haven't. species of the Moong, some of them are beautiful. Like a slaty brim, you bleed that and fill it that quickly. Beautiful flesh. Um, your more blubber lips, your tropical Moongs, they can be a bit more bitter. But it all also, with any fish, it comes down to who's cooking it. Mm. And not to sound racist at all, but I've found that you can give the worst fish to an Italian chef and they will bring it out and you'll just be asking for more. And I mean, like, get the mm. worst fish you can imagine, give it to them to cook, and, oh, mm, magnifique. Mm, cool. Um, while you're looking at these fish, there are, there are a range of fish that you'll, you'll be able to encounter. Another one's... Um uh, surgeon fish. Oh, indeed. And the same thing. Some species very yummy, some species not so yummy. Mm, mm. The grey sawtail ones are probably your better ones of the surgeon fish. I was just going to make a couple of recommendations. If you go into BCF, there's a Queensland fish guide in there. And um, you want to just maybe note down, mark the pages of the species that Trevor's identified. And what you really want to look for is not so much colour, because at depth you lose that anyway. Mm. And um, so pay, pay a lot of attention to the distinctive features on the fish and the actual silhouette. And if you can watch some videos, like maybe on the Submerged Psycho's um, YouTube channel, you'll see a lot of these fish, maybe not so much the ones we've talked about just now because these are more entry-level species, uh, but you'll see them being shot and what they look like in the water. Sometimes it looks a lot different than how they look on dry land. Oh, definitely. It's all silhouettes. The other one that you'll find where most of your identifying fishies for fishies, moi, fishies. species for fishies uh, is the mouth, eyes, and like the brow and shape of the mouth and mm. the nose is what will determine a lot of things. And just by focusing on those three points, you can usually pick a lot of different fish from each other. Yeah, it took me a while actually, like because um, I moved here from New Zealand, so I had to learn all the species. And for me, it was kind of a species-by-species approach. It was like you get the three, I think it was like... Um, the blubber lip um, uh, wong and then I moved into the the, the gold spotted one, yep. which I thought was quite good, and then yeah, flathead, and then into the brim and stuff like that. And it was uh, a while till I shot black spot tuskfish and parrot and some of the fish like that. And then you know, there's always a new species to approach. But oh, um, definitely, and yeah, the 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 blah, the trick I was taught was learn all your protected species off by heart. Yeah. And then try it. Learn your protected species, the rough guidelines, because each species has their own legal limits. There's not too many individual ones. Mm. Shoot one, fillet it, eat it. You might love something that your best mate hates. Um, everyone has their own personal flavours and tastes. So yeah. it's worth a crack. We were talking about that before, like um, 
visitors from overseas come here and shoot species that we wouldn't normally consider, oh, like um, batfish, um, barracuda is another one. Yep. Um, it's not commonly eaten here, um, no. but people from overseas often love it. And when you're new and starting out, it's a uh, a lot of the species that other sparrows don't shoot are highly sustainable because they're never targeted. Oh, definitely. And so, um, as long as you eat them, I don't really care. No, no. As long as it, it's always a thing of wastage. But if you're just shooting a fish to eat it, and as long as it's not protected and an issue, that's great. Like it's food. It's it's not being wasted. And small barracuda taste very nice. Big barracuda, your lips will tingle and you can get a bit sick sometimes with cigaterra. But your smaller barracudas are very tasty. I, I quite enjoy small barracuda. It's just finding small ones is tricky. Okay, cool. I'll link um I'll link this book up in the show in the in the comments down below as well. But Queensland Fish Guide at BCF looks like the best one. There is another fish uh, another book I've heard of as well. I asked Turbo for it, but he didn't have it on him. So uh, that's right. Um, another good one you got to buy directly from the publisher is Grant's Guide to Fishes. That's it. That's it. That's the one that's I was thinking about. One. Yeah, no, he he knows his stuff, and he's also got a Facebook page. So if you ever have a really tricky one, he's really good to deal with. Ninety nine percent of the time, you can send him a photo, and he'll actually tell you everything about the fish. No, he's a brilliant person. Good person. I'd like to do some more species by species stuff on the Noob Sparrow podcast, oh, but definitely. we'll get there. Um, all right, let's go into the areas. So, I saw a question posed the other day um, What's better, the Sunshine Coast or the Gold Coast for shore diving? It's a tricky one because mm. um, it all is dependent on time of year, conditions, and those kind of things. Sunshine Coast is a lot more affected by visibility. It gets clean and dirty very quickly. You can have an hour gap of time and it can go from 20 meters viz to a meters viz, depending on tides and wind directions and swells. Uh, and completely different species that you're hunting. I mean, Sunshine Coast versus New South Wales uh, for, well, not New South Wales, Northern New South Wales. It, it, there's no real shore diving. Well, there mm. is, but there isn't off Brisbane. Just yep. because of the bay and it holds a lot of dirty water. You used to be able to shore dive Redcliffe up until about six or seven years ago, but I haven't seen Viz there in a long time. But someday, maybe, hopefully again. Guys were shore diving there last weekend, I think, or the weekend before. Good on and them. And they said they have five or six metres Viz. Oh, definitely. You can get good fish there, but mm. I haven't seen clean water in a while. Mm. But if, it, if there is clean water, it's worth a look. But again, check with your local fisheries department for the where you can and where you can't and mm. the normal rigmarole. I, I remember... The Gold Coast seems to, there's a lot more current down there generally, although the Sunshine Coast does also have spots that are really current affected. However, Gold Coast seems worse for it. Yes, well, you make a very good point. So the Sunshine Coast has a lot of bays that get you out of the current. So there's a lot of places where you can swim around, less impeded and have to worry about it. Whereas the Gold Coast is, if you look at the the shape of the country, there's no real protection there. That the EAC, when it's enclosed, comes straight down and then hits that and pushes outwards. So, mm. no, you can definitely cop a lot more current. I know I've had a few days when I used to physically be able to short dive better off Kingscliff, getting back and like kissing the sand because you've been swimming against an outgoing current for like an hour just to get back in. Mm. So, now one thing that annoys spear fishermen is talking specifically about specific spots, and there's good reason for that because. If you start mentioning specific spots in a public place, everyone goes there. Oh, definitely. And it gets smashed and, you know, even relatively well-known areas can be um, just covered in spearfishermen too fast. Yes. Um, however, however, there's some 
broad areas maybe that we could mention. Um, I mean, Gold Coast, he, you already mentioned Kingscliff. Um, should we, let's just talk about some of the legal areas down in, in, in the Gold Coast. Is that all right? As in where you can't? Or where yeah, where you, can. you can't. What can't. are some general guidelines for not being able to spearfish? Ah, uh, well, so Tweed River. Okay, so general guidelines for Queensland is any public jetty south of Noosa. So anyone that's a public jetty, you're not allowed to spearfish or go within 100 metres off. So that's your sand pumping jetties, any jetty where a ferry can moor up to, anything that's for the use of the public mm. cannot spear. Private is a different kettle of fish, and it's a bit of a grey area because technically it's trespassing on private property if you get within too much or you touch it, but you can swim around it still. It, it, that's a grey area. It all depends on who has a better lawyer on the day, whether you get in trouble. Mm. Uh, the other generalisations is any estuary, unless it is determined... Oh, how do I put this properly? A lot of estuaries will be not allowed to spearfish, and that's on a local area kind of setup but if you're allowed to in the river because sorry trying to think of the right way to put it if there's nothing saying you can't spearfish that river you're only allowed to spearfish until where it stops being brackish water so once you get to a point where it's fresh water you're not allowed to spearfish any further up that creek mm. so enclosed waterways in general are mostly for the most part not allowed however there are a couple of exceptions yes well it's meant to be the other way but on a federal level, yes. On Sorry, on a state level, you're not allowed to do a lot of them. On a federal level, you're meant to be allowed to do all of them. So you've always got to check with your local government as well as the general rules. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, you've got your public appreciation areas, which are individual areas where you're just not allowed to spearfish because mm. of safety issues, which is fair, because you could imagine, hey, I'm scuba diving on this wreck, this is lovely, there's a spear gun pointed towards me. <laughs> it could cause dangerous things. And... If, like, let's say it's only two metres viz, your gun shoots five metres, you never know what's... Yeah, at the back yeah. of it. Yeah, it's a good point. So I can understand public appreciation. I don't agree with some of the places they've chosen 100%, mm. but I still have to obey and respect the rules. Mm. Just be aware too, like some of the spots uh, on the Gold Coast, like we're talking northern New South Wales, so you need to have a fishing licence for that state. Definitely. And uh, you can get a one or two or three day pass on their website. Yep and just pay for a fishing pass you don't want to get caught with that one. Oh no no they're, they're they're not and which is fair they get a bit angry about that mm. so kingscliff is northern new south wales um there's some some ground in the tweed river which you can um spear which trevor's been cleaning up a lot lately um there's some good spots to start down that end um out the front of the gold coast seaway provided you're not because uh, you're not allowed in the seaway at all. However, outside the walls you can, but the jet skis cut the corners as well when they come out at the front, and so you can get run down. Oh yeah, always have floats. If you're in a highly populated area, even if you're diving with a real gun, just have a mate hold the float, whoever's on the surface, and you mm. take turns, because mm. yeah, you gotta be careful. I've got a three meter kayak when I pick up rubbish and people still nearly run me over. Yeah. Um, if you're curious about finding spots like particularly down the gold coast i would jump on google earth and you will find uh quite a lot of good information from just scanning up and down that coastline yourself oh definitely but um yeah look out for surfers as well in certain breaks yeah yeah they can run you over too by accident and they can't turn very well so if you're on certain headlands in certain areas yeah you just gotta keep be mindful of the surfers as well yeah okay moving up so brisbane for the for the most part is uh not 
no no short of spearfishing for the most part yeah 90 percent of the time just because of visibility yeah moving north to the sunshine coast if you go right up uh point arkwright off coolum can be quite good under any of the headlands where you're allowed to has mm. rocks but essentially there is rock from the bottom end of bribey until you get to Noosa. north of Noosa mm. and it's just spread out and none of it's charted um, easiest way to go if you are wanting to go look for it is get up high on a cleaner day and look you'll be able to see it and then judge your shore dive off that so somewhere like Rainbow Beach go right up on the top of the sand dunes it's, they're quite tall mm. look out and you'll see your rock mm. and that, that's how I used to kind of look for my shore diving options just to get up high and have a look Brings me to another good point though, like um, a lot of these spots involve a good swim and just be aware that if you swim 400 metres out to a reef, that's 400 metres you've got to swim back with fish and possibly against current. Uh, so planning around tides and water movement is essential. Yes, usually run up. So I don't do too much shore diving anymore but what we used to do is we do the two hours up to high and run with the current and then the two hours away from high and that would then draw you one way or draw you the other way and you can kind of plan out which way you're going to move mm -hmm. once you get the idea of it and i've stuffed it up many times and had to swim out against current and vice versa and it, it can be very tricky it's always good to have someone else with you i definitely don't recommend recommend shore diving by yourself i'd always take someone else i'm going to link up a couple of articles down below too there's no spiro's uh, guide to shore dive spearfishing there's two parts to that because um, there's a few things we haven't covered here like entry and exit points and things like that you need you need to plan and do your sort of homework before you hit any of these spots oh yeah what's up shrek and turbo it's jeremy here from spearing magazine uh you guys have been doing such a killer job i just wanted to let you guys know that uh all the back issues are now like fully sold out so if you guys want to get spearing magazine though we've come up with an international subscription just for you guys you can get like the digital edition or the print edition we're gonna send that we're gonna ship that to you guys just get over to spearingmagazine.com okay guys keep doing what you're doing jeremy out god bless america god bless president trump i love you guys do you want to replicate some of the best dives that you've ever experienced and capture some of those elusive species that only show up at certain times during the year? You need to go to Amazon and get yourself a Spiro log created by none other than Shrek and Turbo. Along with help from three experts that we've had on the show, we had Pat Swanson from New Zealand, Grant Ladle from Scotland and Kevin Daly from the UK. These guys got on board to help me create and craft a spearfishing log that can help you to replicate those days that stay strong in your memory but maybe they stay strong in your memory but you've forgotten some of the variables that culminated in that successful day so you can capture these details every day every time you go diving with a hundred templates in the Spiro log available on Amazon now so but now that you've got a, maybe a general overview and uh, and some information with regards to species I wanted to move on to uh, ideal conditions uh, so you're going on to some weather apps and you're looking at you're going to pay attention to the swell uh, wind and what else Trevor uh, tides is a big one um, so the larger the tide the more chance you are to encounter a lot of current 
So look for your smaller tides if you're wanting a nice easy swim. But in saying that, as you become more comfortable and more confident in the water, you can go out in a lot more difficult conditions. But when you're first starting out, try and look for the nicer conditions, particularly shore diving, because you don't have a boat there to bail you out. Mm. You're, you're, everything is dependent on your ability. Yeah. So if you can find a day in Queensland where you've had uh, not northerly winds or even easterly winds for a couple of days and it's under 10 to 15 knots wind, it's going to be good from that front. Then you're looking for smaller tides and you want to dive on the high tide. So get in maybe an hour and a half, two hours before. Oh, it depends on the, the, the area, but yeah, it, it, the high tide's going to be your best chance at cleaner water closer to shore. Okay, cool. Because everything's running into the creeks, pushing the dirty water and holding the dirty water at bay. At low tide, everything's filtering out of the creeks, yep. and though most of those shore dive areas is where a nearer mouth of a creek or near a river and that dirty water is going to then inundate the area where you're swimming. Okay, so that's wind and, and tide, which are two of your big factors. The other one is swell. And uh, I personally would recommend, if it's under a metre, you're pretty much good to go. Between one metre and, say, 1.6, it depends on the direction of it and the gap between sets. However, it could be worth going. Uh, it depends. Um, and the other one that can d cause you headaches with swell, particularly in shallower ground, is the surge starts to affect you. Mm. And the more swell there is, the more sand gets churned up. So you could have 20 metres visibility, but you end up with heaps of sand in the water. Yep. You can only see one or two metres. Yeah. And you're going to be diving shallow if you're starting. So um, the sand really buggers things up. Oh, yeah. And you can end up high and dry. We've had it many years ago where people, the wave moves out and all of a sudden someone's lying on a rock. And then you get punished when the wave comes back in. So it, it's always good to keep to keep a constant idea of what the swell's doing with regards to you. Because if you're in a metre of water with a metre and a half swell, you can end up in a lot of pain. Yeah, <laughs> good advice. There's some amazing species to be had off, off Queensland. You, know, you can encounter Spanish mackerel from shore, um, jewfish. You know, there's quite a number of pelagic species. There's some really challenging reef species here. The, the fishing is good when it's on. Oh yeah, well it's like any spot, on its day it's it's good and you can go back there a hundred times and not have that same thing, mm. but as we've mentioned before, write everything down. Yeah, yeah. if you want a format for writing things down, there's a Spiro log which is sold at spearfishing.com.au, pick yourself up a copy there, it's good for logging down conditions, but even if you don't do that, just have a spreadsheet and keep track of the conditions yourself. You can just do your own. Trevor had a, a notebook for years that he oh, yeah. wrote by hand, and uh, they work just fine as well. But if you want something that's all pre-filled out for you, get hold of Spirolog. Um, okay, what are the apps that you use in this area and you would recommend to new guys that are target, considering going out this weekend? What, 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 what apps would you recommend they look at to help them judge whether the weather's worthwhile? Whatever you're comfortable with, really, um, but don't use just one. So take four or five different ones and then make an idea off the information from those hmm. and kind of work off the rule of averages. So if one is saying 10 knots, one is saying 15 knots, one is saying 30 knots, it's more likely to be... 15 to 20. Event. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't go with the one that says, oh, no, it's going to be 10. Yeah, it's definitely going to be 10. Because yeah. it's all just educated guesses, which can be wrong. So always take everything 
with a grain of salt. Plan for the worst, expect the best, or hope for the best, probably the best way to put it. Expect yeah. the worst, hope for the best. There we go. Guys get pissed off uh, when you continually ask for viz and condition reports through Southern Queensland Spearfishing. You, you almost, I mean, I can understand why people do it. You don't want to waste 90 minutes driving somewhere for no reason. Unfortunately, it's virtually impossible for me to give you a report. So let's say I went diving today at 11 o'clock on the high tide and I had 10 meters viz. Now, you're saying, hey, how was the viz? I say, oh, it's 10 meters here. Let's say it rains five millimeters tonight and there is a larger run out tide because of a full moon. Tomorrow, you could have zero meters viz in that exact same spot. So for you to ask for a viz report, I can give you an answer, but it's necessarily wrong. So people always asking, um, uh, you can't really answer it correctly. It makes it very difficult. And it also shows a bit, this could just be my own personal thing, but if someone is asking for a viz report before deciding to go spearfishing, they're not really into it. They're not really wanting to go. They're like, I'm looking for a reason not to go spearfishing tomorrow. Someone please tell me the water's dirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's best to just be like, okay, it's within a safe weather window. Let's go. It, yeah. Yeah, there's too many variables like thermoclines and everything else. I've done that before. Got up the Sunshine Coast and I thought it was going to be good and I've driven 90 minutes and it's just a brown muck yeah. and, uh, and the swells is pounding in and I've gone out anyway. Oh yeah, and, and uh, it, it can be tricky and you do have days that are horrible but you can mm. also have it go the other way and you're like, oh, it's going to be ridiculously bad. You get there and for some unknown, strange reason, there's a clean pocket of water surrounded by filth but there's just a clean pocket <laughs> of water that you can still dive in and have a good day. So. And that's also why you want to write that stuff down because oh, you can replicate that again next year. Everyone's going, oh, it's going to be crap, yeah. it's going to be crap. And but, uh, maybe... Not 100% of the time, no, but yeah, yeah, it does start to give you patterns you can yeah, follow. Yeah, for sure. And like you sort of said, like when you go and you in these bad days or these borderline days, you start to develop an internal sort of matrix for judging whether or not you think it's actually going to be worthwhile. And... Um, there's these broad sort of ideas you can have about judging the conditions based on looking at it. But if, if you really are keen and you love spearing, you're just going to go oh, all of the time. Yeah. Um, what you can do and what some spear fishermen who will remain nameless do is who are much better at making friends than I am. They develop contacts in all the different areas mm. and they work. They have a lot more freedom than I do. And what they'll do is they will just get the contacts to tell them when the conditions are right yeah. and then they'll just go. So they more reactively go than having to plan things out in advance, which is good. And if you're more flamboyant and better at making friends than I am, that's a great way to mm. have just different people in different areas that will call you and say, hey, now the conditions are good and that's when you go there. Yeah, yeah. Or not friends that um, give you bum stares all the yeah, time no, and tell you Yeah, that's what I would crap. end up with. They'd be like, the conditions are really good right now, nine hours north, and then yeah. they go to where you normally dive yeah. and have a great day. All right, helpful websites, particularly around finding out if a spot is legal. Where do we go? Uh, Website-wise, it's tricky. Uh, best just to contact the local fisheries department to get them to tell you. Um, otherwise, you can look at Department of Primary Industries and all the ones that have the statute law that you can read through and find the individual stuff but yeah, it's just, tricky yeah contact fisheries like i've done it in a few places i got many years ago contacted the ones at jump and pin and they actually sent me out maps that they'd drawn everything onto yeah and yeah they gave them very easily they just email them to you and you can see exactly where everything was so yeah always contact them first 
Mm, I want to get hold of all of that stuff and link it up at noobspero.com, but I just haven't done it yet. It's a big job. It's tricky. There's yeah. so many little individual bits in so many different documents. Mm. It's not compiled yet. So I think we've sort of given the broad strokes on areas, finding spots, weather and conditions, species. Um, what are some of the other common questions that maybe we haven't addressed about spearfishing in this area, particularly for first timers? Boat diving or still shore diving? Because it's slightly different between the two. Let's just stick with shore diving for yep. now. Chat. Um, one good one that used to be is joining clubs, and it still is, particularly if you're on the Gold Coast, join the Tweed Gold Coast Freedivers. It gives you a ton of information from people who have been doing it for 30 years. You don't have to learn everything for yourself. Um, there used to be one on the sunny coast, but unfortunately it isn't there anymore. Maybe someday in the future again, hopefully. But it, learning from others is a fantastic source of information. It's much, 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 much more helpful. Um, it's like anything. If you see someone else hit their hand with a hammer, you're less inclined to hit yourself with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> so I would recommend learning from others' mistakes and others' knowledge yeah. than having to do everything yourself because it just saves time. Yeah. One, one other thing you can do is like say you've got this area that you think is going to be good. Um, get a Google Earth screenshot of it and go into your local dive shop, which probably means Adreno, and um, go up to some of the guys and just say, look, this is where I'm thinking about going. Do you know anything about it? No, no, yeah. Uh, learning from others experience definitely comes in handy a lot of guys will be a bit apprehensive to share their experience because mm. there is a lot of trust issues in spearfishing mm. uh, but a lot of the time they'll at least give you some very general knowledge to help you out you have trust issues and, and mum issues too don't you not so much mum issues but definitely trust issues um, <laughs> and a lot of your better divers have been burnt many many yeah, times no, it's true. From, it's true. they were like oh yeah no here look i'll help you out i'll let you know the rundown then a few days later there's a hundred people where they've helped that one person out mm. um it can be very tricky and once you do develop a reputation for being not a blabbermouth but less trustworthy it can be very hard to break that yeah very hard long memories in spearfishing and like most sports and hobbies and things people remember the bad a lot better than the good yeah you've, you've we were talking about this earlier as well developing your own code of ethics uh especially with regards to species spots all these things you develop over time and um yeah keeping things under your hat especially Especially people when people have taken you to their spots is definitely crucial. So uh, One thing I learned and a way to judge it, and it could be different for every diver, is if it's something that is your own and you found it and you've dove it, if you want to tell someone a bit of information about that, that's not so much the end of the world. Mm. But if it's anything that anyone else has told you or anywhere that anyone else has taken you, you've got to consider it as like their thing. If you start spruiking about it or telling other people about it, not only will you most likely burn your bridge with that person and not get mm. taken again, but he will then tell others and it'll just end up intensifying to a point where you may find yourself not trusted by a lot of people that even though you were trying to impress someone, sometimes that person... Or even just be helpful. Yeah. Too helpful. It can bite. Like I had it many years ago with a very good diver around Brisbane. I would have... When, this is when I was like 17, 18. I was trying to impress that diver in order to gain his trust but in me telling him information i was showing him in a certain aspect that i was not trustworthy enough if that makes sense so yeah. in trying to impress that person i actually was detrimental yeah yep keep spots under your hat um yep that's a that's a good 
good advice. Had a couple of questions here from New Spiro community. Matt Barrett says, can you give me precise GPS coordinates for some of your sunny coast spots? Well, they wouldn't really be secrets um, <laughs> if I did. And a lot of them aren't really dove with precise coordinates. A lot of the sunny coast is very large, sprawling areas, oh. and it all depends on the day where the fish will be. So it's best just to get in and kind of go with the flow, just go with the current and have you and a mate in the water and a guy in the boat and you can kind of keep moving and covering mm. ground until you find where the fish are. Go back and listen to the last New Sphere podcast with Trevor too because we go into into quite a bit of depth with regards to reconnaissance and conducting your own finding spots. Figuratively and literally, yes. <laughs> um, Matt Gill says, when's the next episode of Just the Tips coming out? This is a submerged psycho-regular segment, isn't it? Uh, kind of. I'm not sure. Um, I kind of... It's usually filmed late at night when I'm not sleeping. Uh, I don't sleep all that much. So it just depends on when I have the time and the... I'm trying to think of the right word for it. Not motivation. Where something, something causes you to want to do something. Inspiration. That's the word. Mm. Okay, cool. Uh, some other random questions and moving away from pretty much spearfishing in southern Queensland. Um, sending equipment and secondhand gear. Um, what service do you use? Do you just use Australia Post? Uh, Star Trek. So I organise a lot of it through Adreno and just give them the freight for it, which I don't know whether it's right or wrong, but Star Trek's quite good for sending larger equipment and it's not super expensive. Um, Australia Post is a lot easier to track and a lot easier to access. Mm. Um, uh, the main one is if you're sending a gun, glue it in a PVC pipe. So get a bigger PVC pipe, put the gun inside, glue the caps on. That way, for someone to physically steal that gun, they have to cut the PVC tube open. Mm. Um, and they can't bend it or snap it or break it on you. Okay, cool. Like it. Um, another quick one. Um, buying a Spiro boat. Prepare, <laughs> be prepared to spend a lot of money. Boat, uh, bring out another thousand. Yeah. Uh, in hindsight, and what I would have nowadays, I should have just bought a hundred thousand dollar brand new boat at the start and paid it off. Wow, so I've spent far more than that repairing and keeping three other boats on the water over the last 10 15 years. Mm. So it can be a very difficult thing because it becomes more of an investment of love. What is the perfect size boat for spearfishing? That's a difficult question for me and what how I would answer that mm. is around 17 to 19 feet. You can get 90% of places, but you're not chewing exorbitant amounts of fuel. Some of these really big cats and really lovely seven, eight meter twin and outboard, great things. But instead of being, uh, let's say $50 each for three people to go out and do a 300 kilometer trip, it's three or $400 each. Mm-hmm. So your fuel costs definitely start to cut into your spearfishing time and availability. That dog is giving me the shits. Yeah, it's fine. It adds character. <laughs> um, a friend of, my, of mine is thinking about importing a boat from America. Um, any advice or insights around doing that? It uh, just depends on the area he's wanting to go into. Um, mm. Some of the American boats are designed for like the massive bays on the inside of Florida. So they've got quite flat wide bottoms Beamy, yeah. yeah so in swell and in calmer conditions they can go very very fast and carry huge loads but when you bring them out here which is a lot more choppy mixed messy swell they mm. tend to bang and get thrown around okay. a lot a lot of a lot of divers around southeast queensland are using very old-fashioned boats with very sharp dead rise yeah so they're not particularly stable at rest they don't make the best line fishing boats for but for diving they run a lot better through the rougher conditions 
and in particular we're talking about like the Haynes. Uh, any of the old copies of the Bertrams which came out in like the 50s and 60s, so your Haynes boats, sea, not so much the seafarers, uh, what are they called? VC. Oh, they're a bit small. Uh, not so much, but yeah, there's a lot of different new companies that make flops off them, like Cuda Craft and Eden Craft and those kind of things. If you've got mm. lots of money, but most of us are just fixing up the old seventies, eighties Haynes, seventeens, and nineteens. And outboards, you're a bit of an authority on that. Everyone I've owned has been horrible, and I break them. So you do put yeah. thousands of hours on them. Yes, um, but yeah, I, I were. You want to have a reliable one. To a certain extent, or try for a reliable one. Have you ever owned a jet ski? No. no. What's your perception of um, buying a boat versus a jet ski? Depends on what you're using. The jet skis aren't as comfortable and don't have the same range. Uh, whereas with a boat, you can go 100 kilometres offshore. With a jet ski, you're kind of restricted to about 20, 30 kilometres okay. round trip. Uh, you can also carry a lot more fish and a lot more equipment. Whereas mm. with a jet ski, you're kind of stuck with only being able to have two people your basic equipment very small room for fish and you've always got to anchor and kind of swim around the jet ski whereas with a boat it's easier to drift and do all the rest of the stuff awesome all right man well um we've kind of covered this off we're right. we've been pretty comprehensive if you have any more um questions about spearfishing in southern queensland join the southern queensland spearfishing facebook page and uh you can find Trev at uh, Submerged Psychos or me over at Noob Spiro. But um, yeah, any questions, chuck them in the comments too, guys. Um, we'll, uh, we'll try and sort them out. Do our best. Always happy to answer messages. Hopefully we've been helpful. Nah, I hope not. And, it, and if not, just give us a big <laughs> thumbs down because yeah, neither of us give a shit fine. anyway. We can always do it again. We don't, it's not that we don't give a shit about helping people, but we just don't give a shit about negative comments. I, I don't know what I mean. <laughs> All right. It depends on how the comment is written. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening today. I hope you got a heap out of this interview. If you want to get involved in the conversation, I would suggest you get over to our YouTube channel and check out the Guide to Southern Spearfishing video up there. It's just Trevor and I chatting away in the garage. And there's a few. You can add your more, more of your questions in there, and I'll, I'll tag Trevor, and, and we can uh, do our best to answer your questions. Otherwise, come and join the Noob Spearow community on Facebook. It's a fantastic place to have a conversation, and there's no ego. There's only two dickheads on the page, and that's me and Turbo, so um, you'll, you'll feel right at home, and it's a good place to ask your questions. And um, if you're new to this area, definitely connect in there. Trevor's in there as well. There's, a, there's quite a few local guys, but wherever you are in the world, there's people on there sharing their journey and the issues and obstacles they have and how they're overcoming them along the way. It's a great place if you are in your first couple of years spearfishing, so come along, Noob Spirit Community on Facebook and uh, answer a couple of questions and I'll slip you in there. So I hope you enjoyed today's interview and uh, yeah, awesome. As usual guys, uh, reviews are welcome wherever you listen to the podcast. Thanks for listening. Shrek out. Today's Dynamite Noob Spiro podcast is brought to you by spearfishing.com.au. That's right, the fine folks over at Adreno have been supporting the Noob Spiro podcast since about episode 18. And they help pay the bills around here. Just want to encourage you to check out spearfishing.com.au and use the code NoobSpiro. You can save 20 bucks on every purchase over 200. But it's just a great online shopping experience. The reviews are phenomenal. If you want to check out a new spear gun, new pair of booties, new pair of gloves, someone's used them before, they've written a review, it's on their website, it's all there right for, there for you. Head along to spearfishing.com.au 
And thank you for shopping with it. Today's major sponsor, Adrenaline.